Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast today. Doug Ford throws a can of gas on the burning bonfire of confusion in Ontario over Thanksgiving. Hey, speaking of Thanksgiving, good luck trying to find a small turkey. We'll check in on turkey farmers in this province. Plus, exotic dancers say they're being discriminated against in the time of COVID. All of that is coming up. Let's get to it. It's the most wonderful time of the year, and I am absolutely confused. Now, I know you might think to yourself, Alan, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, but I always say no. It's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is just Christmas without the guilt. It really is. You get together, you get to eat all the same foods, and you don't have that awkward moment where you're opening some weird thing from your great aunt. And like, oh, this is, oh, this is weird. It's a personal grooming set. Okay. So thanks, Aunt Gladys. Uh, that's, see, you don't have that. But now, of course, Thanksgiving is upon us, and we know in 2020 it will be different. It will be different. And over the next hour, we're going to look at Thanksgiving from a different, from a number of different perspectives. We're going to dig into what the province is saying. I'm going to take you through that absolute catastrophe of a press conference by Doug Ford yesterday. And then later on in the program, we're going to talk turkey, like literally turkeys. We're talking about turkey farming. And what's going on out there right now in the grocery stores? Have you been to a grocery store? Have you got your turkey? Have you gone to look for one? Because I tell you what you're going to do. You're going to go to the big frozen bin and you're going to say to yourself, well, I don't need one of these monsters. I don't need one of these 25 pounders. And then you look around like, no, that's all there is. And everybody's got their elbows up and they're fighting over the little birds. It's foul is what it is. Foul. Let's get you to the numbers. 500 and 83 is your case number. Doesn't mean a thing. Not a thing. Nada. Meaningless. Because, of course, we stopped testing over the course of the weekend. Yes, we're doing some testing now, back on an appointment basis, but you know, good luck getting an appointment. Here's the test number, 43,277. And the pending number, still coming down, 55,400. Still a ways to go before we can clear that pending Number And then we can actually get to a point where the numbers that we're seeing are accurate and actually reflect what's going on in the past couple of days. Our hospitalizations, up three. ICU, up two. All right, let's talk about Ontario's communication breakdown, shall we? A little Led Zeppelin up in here, communication breakdown. I won't wail it for you, but you know how it goes. Uh, can we talk communication breakdown? You know what? Hang on. Check on. Uh, just a second. I'm going to check with Carla and I'll get back to you. I got to check with my wife and I'll get back to you on what's going on and whether or not I know what it's, what's happening. That is actually what happened with the premier of this province in a press conference at Queens Park yesterday. And of course, the premier coming up, the Doug Ford show coming up at one o'clock. Can he possibly get this through this thing without stepping in any more turkey doo-doo? You got a little bit of that turkey poo on your shoe there, Doug. All right, let's take you through it. Let's start off. Here's how it starts. Premier Doug Ford, I'm a little confused about the Thanksgiving thing. What do you have to say to that? And this is going to be about as clear as I can be for, for Thanksgiving. Okay, good. 
great. This is how he begins. He's going to be as clear as he can be about the rules for Thanksgiving. Right off the top, though, it's not clear why the province doesn't believe there's enough evidence to close down restaurants like the city of Toronto is asking for, the medical official Dr. Eileen Davila, the head doctor in Toronto, says we got to need to close these restaurants. Here's the evidence. We've outbreaks. We can't trace them. But Doug Ford says there's not enough evidence. Or at least he basically says there's no evidence. Uh, doesn't even admit that the evidence that he has, he's just discounting. But can you clear this up for us, Doug, this whole, how come I'm not supposed to have a ton of people over to my house, but yet I can go out to a bar or a restaurant? Could you clear that up for me? You know, I've listened to this bit about restaurants, and I still don't understand. Here he is. Number two, restaurants. Regarding restaurants, that's like apples and bananas. When you go into a restaurant, they're taking everyone's name. Uh, you have six at a table. They have dividers. They, they have protocols in place. And the rest of the people in the restaurant, uh, you don't know. That's the difference. At a family, you, you know the people. Uh, okay. Um, okay. All right. So they're going to take my name down at a restaurant, but I don't know the other people, but I know the people in my house. Uh, okay, fine. All right. I guess the point, the point being here is that a, a restaurant, they're going to police you in a way that you wouldn't do at home. So if you want to get together with all your peeps over the Thanksgiving weekend, you just go to a restaurant because they're going to, they'll be there with like a, a ruler, like a nun in a Catholic school, just bam, stand back. All right. Well, that's not particularly clear, but let's get back to the communicator in chief, Doug Ford. Uh, this all this whole thing really super super simple, right, Doug? Please, it's very simple. There's rules and there's guidelines. The rules are very clear: ten indoors, twenty-five outdoors. I would really, really discourage people from having twenty-five people, even if it's outdoors. Uh, stick with, within ten people. Okay, so stick within the ten people, even of our rules. So we got our rules, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't follow the rules. Yeah, I, I know what the rules say, says the premier, but I would just, I'd feel better if you just stick within 10 people. Wait, well, no, no, hold on. 10 people. Wait a second. Because the advice from other medical officials, lots of them, has been, no, 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 just, just only gather with the people you actually live with, the people actually that you share a home with. Those are the people that you should be getting together and having Thanksgiving with just a small group. Okay. But so I'm confused. So back to you, Doug. And I, I, I told uh, Carla, I, I said, you know, and she knows, uh, we have no more than 10. And uh, simple as that. And, and that's what we're going to obey by as, as well. And, and when it comes to having everyone over, your aunts and uncles, you know, hang off on the hugging and the kissing and everything else. Well, I am, I am relieved that, you know, that awkward kiss with, with Aunt Gladys won't happen. Um, cause that's always awkward. So I'm, I'm definitely going to hang off with the hugging and the kissing, Doug, but I have questions. 
I have questions because it sounded like you said there at the end that my aunts and my uncles can come over, just no more, you know, just don't get up in their grill. Is that what you said? And then you said you well you talk you said to Carla, your wife, we're only having the ten, just the ten over. Now Doug Ford's got adult daughters, married, live in other homes. Is he I, now? He doesn't live with ten people. So is he having 10 people over? Because that's not the advice. All right, Doug, bring it home. Bring it home. That's about as, as clear as I can be uh, on, on that. So there shouldn't, shouldn't be any, any confusion. Uh, no. Uh, no, not clear. Not clear. Basically, Doug Ford has just walked up to the big bonfire of confusion that's blazing out of control in Ontario and hucked a can of gas on it. And so when, when reporters say, um, Premier, Premier, uh, we're a little confused, a little more confused than when we began this process. So they challenged the Premier on it. Here's what the Premier has to say about that. So if you, you play it back, I said, stick within your household, your, your household. That, that's what I said. So yeah, check the tape. It didn't say that. Did not say that. It's so not clear. Not clear. And that brings us to this. Another question from reporters to the Premier. Hey, Premier, you know, it's like baseball. You're only on strike two. Here comes another fast one down the plate. You want to take a swing at this one? Here's a question from Mike Crawley from the CBC. So could you clarify, um, how many people are you going to have over for Thanksgiving? Are you going to have anybody who does not live with you over for Thanksgiving dinner. No, so uh, can I confirm that? <laughs> when I when I call you back, uh, or I'll call you back this afternoon, uh, to be very frank, uh, I, I, I don't get even a chance to even talk to my family. I'm here till, at my office till midnight, but I'll find out the arrangements. All I know is not going to be more than 10. They'll be within our household. Doug Ford. It's a strong, that's a strong cut there, Doug, but I'm afraid, I mean, at best you fouled it back. <laughs> so you're going to check with your wife, Carla, to find out whether or not you're going to adhere to the guidelines that you claim are very simple, but you just, you're going to get back to us. And that is precisely what the premier did. Tweeting a few hours later, this year Ontarians should celebrate Thanksgiving with members of their household only. I just spoke with my wife Carla and will follow the same advice as we stick to our immediate household for Thanksgiving dinner. Well, that's all just ducky, isn't it? Clear as gravy. Are we clear on that, Doug Ford? And this is going to be about as clear as I can be for. For Thanksgiving. Pass the cranberry, because I'm still confused.
I'm just a bundle of nerves. I am. I'm a bundle of nerves because there's a lot going on, and I'm worried about a lot of things. I'm worried about something that I think if you got a kid in elementary school in Toronto, you're worried about it too. If you've heard this, you got the note from the TDSB. You may have heard it in the news. They're going to collapse classrooms again. They're going to change things around because of all the kids that are in virtual learning means there's too many in-person teachers. And then all of a sudden, now we're weeks into the school year, and you, you may face the prospect of your child's class having to combine with another class and change teachers. I just, I mean, I understand. I know that this happens every year on a smaller, smaller scale. I do. I understand. And it's tough on kids, always tough on kids when they have to change a teacher. This, I mean, they're just getting into the groove of things. They're just getting... But with so much up in the air already, to have to say to my son, oh, yeah, that teacher that you're just kind of getting used to, yeah, no, no, that teacher's gone. Now get another teacher. Yeah, your classroom, yeah, no, we're going to combine those. And I really hope it doesn't happen. The other thing I'm really worried about, and less so, really, but still it's a concern, where am I going to get a turkey? Have you tried to shop for a turkey yet? Because there's turkeys out there. Oh, there's turkeys. But now, of course, you know, because, you know, Thanksgiving is generally canceled, you know, no longer are you going to have the 25 people over and you, you got to get the bird like the size of a small Chevy. You don't have to, you don't want that anymore. Now there's only going to be, you know, two of you, four of you, maybe, tops. You know, you're Doug Ford, 10. <laughs> I don't know, whatever, however that works. But you, you, you need a smaller turkey. Good luck trying to find one. Went to the grocery store the other day. I had to fight people just to get into the bin. People were just taking the big birds and hucking them to the side, looking for a small bird. Everybody. Well, the turkey industry, it's a big industry in this province. And it is hurting. And it is trying to adapt to what we want and what we need right now. To talk more about this, to talk some literal turkey, I'm pleased to welcome back to the program Catherine Ward, Global News reporter. Hi, Cat. Hey, Alan, how's it going? I'm good. You went turkey farming? You went to a turkey farm? I did. I went out to Dashwood, Ontario, to Hater's Farm yesterday, and I got to see everything happen up close. I was there. I met the turkeys. I also met the people who manage the farm. It is quite an operation. It's been in business for 70 years, third-generation farmers there. Uh, And I want to play this for you. Uh, This is on uh, clip number 10 here. This is uh, Sean McGuire of Haters Farm, uh, and you spoke to him in Dashwood, Ontario, and he talked about the fact that they have all of this extra stock that is just, there's no demand for this year. We'll have to go to the freezer with anything we can't move at, at Thanksgiving, and that's going to increase costs. Um, that's going to carry overheads. That's going to make it tough on a lot of uh, turkey processors to get through the season if we are left with frozen stock. That is Sean McGuire from Haters Farm, and on the line, Catherine Ward, our global news reporter. What does he mean by that, uh, Kat? So, Alan, this farm is really unique because not only do they raise turkeys there, they're also a processing site. So they are also able to process their meat right there at the farm and then send it out to their partners, to the you know grocery stores you know where you were experiencing your troubles earlier, um, to restaurants, to wherever uh, turkey is sold. So, but what his concern is, is that the turkey market, this whole bird market that we have known for, you know, pretty much most of our lives is that, you know, those big birds that are being put on the table, that trend is changing. And they're seeing this move towards people asking for 
smaller birds, you know, 10 pounds and under, or no bird in terms of the traditional sense that they were asking for uh, maybe a cut, you know, different cuts of meat or prepackaged turkey that has been already marinated and is ready to cook. So the turkey market is really changing. Uh, so what does it mean for the stock that they have on hand? And I mean, what's business like for these operators? Business has really changed with COVID in the sense that because their cycle of raising turkeys to, you know, the actual sale is so much longer than in other industries, it takes a lot of time for them to be able to pivot. And so these this whole bird market, as we have seen, has been declining and people just aren't buying that anymore. But in terms of rejigging and, you know, re-pivoting the number of turkeys that they actually have on that farm, that takes time. So the reality is, is that even though the demand for the birds has gone down, they can't change the number of turkeys that they necessarily have at the farm at any given time. So the reality is, is that they do have extra turkey, extra whole birds that they have to figure out how to turn a profit on. Uh, in doing some research for the segment, uh, I discovered that there is actually a different name for a small turkey. D- did you know what that was? No, it's a chicken. It. It's a chicken. <laughs> Thank you. I've been working on that joke all night. Thank you. Nice dad jokes. I like it, Alan. Thank you. (laughs) I am what I am. (laughs) Um, But you gave me an interesting breakdown of turkey sales over the course of the year that I didn't realize. Yes, exactly. So festive seasons, this is when people think turkey. They think about gathering around the table. And when you look at the numbers... About 38%, so that's about 2.5 million turkeys are sold at Thanksgiving. And at Christmas, that number jumps ever so slightly. About 2.7 million turkeys are sold, or about 42%. And the rest kind of are through the year or at Easter. So what, uh, I guess, what's going forward? The couple of things that I I learned from listening to some of your interviews, I want to play this actually for you because I want to get you to comment on this. This is uh, Brian Ricker. This is clip number nine. Brian Ricker, who is uh, with the Turkey Farmers of Ontario. So we've had to cut production here in Ontario by 17%. So that's a huge cut in production for for a new grower who's paying a big mortgage. That's going to be difficult for him. And we also cut live price to help the processors because they told us that their COVID costs for processing turkeys is much higher now than it was prior to COVID. That is Brian Ricker from Turkey Farmers of Ontario. And I'm speaking with uh, Catherine Ward, our Global News reporter. And Kat, as I listened to both Brian Ricker and Sean McGuire, they both talked about higher cost. Is that higher cost being passed on to the consumer? Sometimes there is, you know, this delicate balance of, you know, what is the cost that they're willing to eat up front in the hopes of selling more of the product in general that they can get that to market because there is a shelf life or, as we mentioned earlier, goes into the freezer. And you might see a little bit of an uptick on the on the price that you're paying when you buy that bird. Uh, we, we joked about this before the segment, like if you're a super fat turkey, do you just get just pie pat you get to survive this season because nobody wants you i don't know i mean i bought bought a pretty big turkey but my family were turkey eaters and we definitely are okay with the leftovers but and the thing is i just got back actually from a butcher shop and they said if you're looking for a small turkey you're pretty much out of luck everything 
that is 10 pounds and under has been spoken for at their particular shop. So now they're moving into selling the medium sizes and people are just having to make do with having more turkey at the end of the day. Oh my goodness. I'm going to have you back on next week, Kat, and we'll just talk about turkey leftover recipes and you can tell me how you're, you know, working through this giant bird that you plan to cook. All right. I'm on it. All right. Cat Ward is a global news reporter, and you can see her story on turkey farming in Ontario and what's happening with that industry. That's tonight on Global News at 5.30 and 6. Cat, thank you so much for being on the program. Always a pleasure. Talk soon, Alan. Okay. Uh, I will I will give you an update on this because as I did research on this story this morning, and as I mentioned, I had been to the uh, grocery store uh, and fighting with old ladies in the uh, frozen food aisle trying to look for a little bird. Couldn't find one. Uh, and, you know, you heard Kat right there saying that, uh, you know, one of the butchers that she's talked to said anything under 10 pounds, spoken for. So I, I you know what I did? I just called a uh, upscale grocery store. I w- remain nameless in the Don Mills area. If you know Don Mills, there's a couple of like super fancy, fancy uh, grocery stores. There's a super fancy grocery store. I'll give you a sense of how how fancy it is. I got a sandwich from there the other day. It's like a roast beef sandwich. It was like 12 bucks. You know, this is just, a, I think... I just had to close my eyes. I was like, I just, I'm, I can't believe I'm paying $12 for a roast beef sandwich. So I called this place and I said, Let's, you got any of these fresh turkeys? You got a small fresh turkey? Smallest one, 10 to 12 pounds. And I just said, put me down for one. And here's, here's where it gets crazy. Here's where it gets nuts. If you know me at all, I didn't even ask how much it was going to be. I didn't even inquire about the price. Who have I become? COVID is making us all very strange. As the province of Ontario considers the request from the city of Toronto to shut down in restaurant eating and some other things, including gyms and fitness classes and all the rest of that, it seems pretty clear that it's only going to be a matter of time before the province does take up this request. It just seems like the evidence and the momentum is beginning to really start and move here. And it's difficult to see how the province is going to be able to continue to say, hey, we don't have any evidence. We don't have any evidence. No, 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 not enough evidence. Now, remember that these restrictions would be for Toronto, Peel, and Ottawa, not province-wide. But what the province has done recently is change gathering limits. And, of course, it moved in to say that strip clubs must shut down immediately. Strip clubs are closed right across the province of Ontario. Marcy Warhaft is the author of The Good Stripper, a soccer mom's memoir of lies, loss, and lap dances. And she joins me on the line. Hi, Marcy. Hello, Alan. So tell me about your experience with being a stripper? Well, the stripping part is just part of my story. It was something I did during a very challenging time in my life when I did a lot of things that I regret. However, the dancing isn't something that I regret in the sense I don't feel shame about it. I don't feel I should feel shame about it. But it is something I learned that even though it was 15 years ago, I learned that our, our society still demonizes it. And so the truth is, I didn't expose that part of my life until literally two weeks ago when I released my memoir, The Good Stripper. I kept it a secret because I knew 
that it would be horrible. I felt it would be horrible if people found out. It would be terrible for me professionally and personally. And I, I did learn a lot through that experience. And I think it's, I think it's very sad and disheartening that we're still seeing dancers as caricatures of people instead of people. And that this was uh, a really unfair move on the government's part as far as strip clubs go. The stigma that you feared for Mm -hmm. letting people know that you had been a stripper, do you think that that is at play here in terms of COVID and the government's decision to shut down strip clubs? A hundred percent. I mean, the sex industry in all forms is completely demonized and judged. I was in a cafe last week. I went in to grab a tea and sit on the patio, and I had to ask the gentleman behind the counter to lift up his mask because it was completely, it was uncovering, his nose wasn't covered, and his mouth wasn't really covered. That's at a cafe. So it's not, it shouldn't be based on what kind of establishment it is. Each establishment has to take their own precautions. But for some reason, we're not looking at restaurants and bars and other places. We're just looking to close down strip bars. Why is that? What's the difference between a regular bar and a regular restaurant and a strip club? It's just the nudity. That's the only difference. The other side of that argument would be, though, Marcy, that just by Mm -hmm. its very nature, uh, that a strip club would involve a little more close contact, that it would perhaps uh, lead to a possibility of contagion spreading. Okay, but here you go. Lead to a possibility. That's that's the whole preconceived notion. No. (laughs) First of all, uh, the strip clubs that that I've read about, again, it goes down to each establishment. So they're taking temperatures. They've got plexiglass. The customers have to wear masks, just like everybody else. And so they are taking the proper precautions. But what you're doing is you are assuming, (laughs) like most people, there's that little extra. There's that little extra. But with the people who are handling my food at a regular restaurant, they're putting me at just as much risk. I don't know what's going on in the kitchen. I don't know what's going on when they're handling my food, there's just as much of a risk. It's that extra, the extra salacious factor of, of the nudity. And it's that's the wink, wink, nudge, about. nudge factor. You it think is, that that's what is. play here. It's, we're not looking at health. We're looking at ethics and morals, and we're letting that come into it. And that's, that's the problem. When you're making rules like this, we are affecting people's livelihoods. It's what I said earlier. It's almost like dancers are seen as caricatures. We're, we're not understanding that they're people. And it's not just the dancers. It's the bartenders, the bouncers, the DJs, everyone who works there when the clubs are closed. They have bills to pay. They have responsibilities to take care of. They deserve just as much respect as everybody else who's trying to make a living. And they don't get it, and that's unfair. The City of Toronto has seen outbreaks at strip clubs, at the Brass Rail, Club Mm -hmm. Paradise. And in those cases, uh, contact tracers discovered that the contact information that was given by patrons was incorrect. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> Isn't that a concern? <laughs> well, that's okay, but it's, you're saying that they didn't give their proper uh, contact information because they're hiding who they are? Is that that's the problem? I think that's more the commentary on um, maybe relationships and marriage than it is strip clubs, right? It's still such a taboo. Um, so, but, and again, I'm hearing there's outbreaks at, at restaurants and nail salons and other places too, but it's not, don't penalize the people who are working. Don't penalize the, the employees for customers' behavior. That's unfair. I wonder what your reaction was, and and I'm going to have to put my hand up here as guilty as charged on this one, the kind of snickering that, uh, 
went along with it, at least when the first news about the brass rail and, and the outbreak mm-hmm. there happened. What was your reaction to what you heard in the media? I found it very interesting and, again, a little disheartening that it was all jokes. You know, when you hear about small businesses closing, it's you feel empathy for the people who are going to be out of work. But when when we heard about the brass rail, for example, and it was all the jokes about, oh, okay, so now what are the husbands? Now they are going to really have to work late instead of <laughs> just pretending. Now they are. What are they going to do? They're going to have to stay home with their wives. So there were a lot of jokes, but we're forgetting that we're talking about real people, real people who deserve respect. Sex work is work. And, and that, that was very upsetting for me. And that's why I wrote the article. Speaking with Marcy Warhaft, who is the author of a new memoir called The Good Stripper, a soccer mom's memoir of lies, loss, and lap dances. You talked about why you wrote an article that was uh, in The Globe talking about this specific, uh, the, the COVID aspect. But I'm wondering on a, on a larger level, what prompted you to write the memoir itself? I dedicated my book to anyone who's struggling to forgive themselves for the mistakes they made when they were just trying to survive. I went through a lot of trauma in my life, and it took me down some dark paths, and I made some mistakes, and I beat myself up for those mistakes, and I let the shame of what I felt were mistakes act like an anchor around my neck, pulling me down and keeping me from the joy that I deserved in my life. And once I learned how to forgive myself, knew that I was only doing the best I could in the situations that I was in, I was able to... to start living my life again and allowing myself to be happy and to be healthy. And that's what I want other people to do. There's too much shame. We need to forgive ourselves and learn how to move on in our lives and give ourselves the self-respect that we deserve. Marcy, I love what you say about uh, personal forgiveness. And that's a tougher road than Mm -hmm. it sounds just when you say those words. And I'm wondering, you know, what was your process for personal forgiveness? It took a very long time. It took a very baby step. You know, I think I made a lot of what I thought were mistakes. And it's it's trying not to forgive yourself for everything right away. It's just, it really is treating yourself the way you would treat your best friend or, you know, somebody you love. We tend to forgive others, but we're so hard on ourselves. And it's it's a process. It's not expecting to to be able to wake up the next morning and, and feel free. But knowing that you deserve it and doing something every day to remind yourself that you do, do deserve to be happy. It took a long time. It's, it's only the last few years that I felt that way, but man, is it liberating. It's liberating. Nobody can shame you for what you don't feel shame for. This is me. And if people don't, don't, um, aren't okay with who I am, that's okay. I'm not for everybody, but I'm okay with me. And there's a lot of power in that. Marcy, coming up in just a couple of minutes will be uh, Doug Ford, and his uh, annual or daily address, the Doug Ford Show, coming up shortly. On any topic at all, whether it be about strip clubs or advice on Thanksgiving, you got a question for the premier that you're hoping he'll answer? Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to let him talk and see what he has to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there will be lots of talk about Thanksgiving, but Marcy, appreciate you being on the program. Thank Marcy so Warhaft, much. who is the author of a new memoir called The Good Stripper, the Soccer Mom's Memoir of Lies, Loss, and Lap Dance is available now. Thanks, Marcy. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Ford does. He speaks plainly. He tells it like it is. And people appreciate it. And that's why the ratings are so good in his daily press conferences. But the 
problem is, as we get deeper and deeper into this pandemic, people are looking for clarity. They are looking for consistency in messaging. And the sort of populist shoot-from-the-lip messaging that the Premier has been so successful with up until now, and I have said this from the get-go, is it is going to turn on him that this sort of, you know, folksy, this is how many people we're having over for Thanksgiving, you know, is relatable on the one sense, but then when the information or, or with the advice doesn't line up with what the medical officials are saying, people say this is just doesn't work. And people are going to get less and less able to just look past it. As there's more and more concern, as we go into this second wave, there's going to be an increased demand on Doug Ford and the Ontario government to be clearer, to not go through these kind of press conferences where they then have to come out afterwards and say, okay, here's, here's what we really meant. And it's not easy. Because you've got all of these different things pulling on you. You have Doug Ford saying yesterday, well, just keep it to your own household, except for if there's a single person, then they can come over. But if they only, if they sit over there. And, you know, it, it's just tough to try and absorb that information at the same time as parents were trying to figure out, you know, well, we got some changing, changing criteria whether kids can go to school. And all of these things seem to be changing at the same time. And for that, we need better communication. And so it would be better for Doug Ford to quit relying on what has been so successful for him up until now and to really buckle down and say, this is the message. And if I have to read it off a piece of paper, I'm going to. And he can just say that straight up. You know what? No more confusion. Every time anybody asks me a question, I'm reading these three bullet points and that's all I'm reading. And maybe that's what we need. Just some clear, concise, and constant messaging. Because the rest of it, as I said earlier, is about as clear as gravy. And this is going to be about as clear as I can be. Thank you. This is about as clear as I can be. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with us today here on Global News Radio. My name is Alan Carter. Join me tonight on Global News Television at 530 we simulcast on this radio station beginning at 6 o'clock, and then I'm back here. I'm back here again tomorrow at noon. Have a great day. That's the podcast for today. Don't forget to catch The Alan Carter Show weekdays beginning at noon.